get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. to Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Happy opening day. And we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And our friend Bob Costas joins us. This has kind of become an opening day tradition here at 101 ESPN. Bob, good morning. Th- thanks so much for taking some time with us. How are you? I'm good, Randy. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Bob. So Randy and I were just talking right before you joined us about the tradition of Cardinal baseball, the tradition of opening day, and of course, the home opener here in St. Louis. And you've had a front seat to every big sports moment over the past few decades. You've narrated most of it for us. And so you understand what it means, the deep tradition that St. Louis has with with Cardinal baseball and how it compares to other things. And Randy and I were talking about this and about when this started and how and why it started. Because when you came to St. Louis initially, that era of Cardinal baseball, no one was going to the games in the manner in which they are now. And it seems like they were just really another fan base, the Cardinals were, until Whitey Herzog took over. So I'm just curious from your perspective when did you think this passion for cardinal baseball really started well michelle you just said it i happened to arrive in st louis in the mid-70s that's wedged the 70s are wedged in between the great 60s era of ken boyer and lou brock and bob gibson and others and three pennants in what a four or five season stretch 64 67 68 then the 70s were a fallow period And it wasn't a very entertaining team to watch. Then along comes Whitey Herzog. And not only did they win, but Whitey is a dynamic personality. He's not afraid to make bold moves. And he puts together a team that is distinctive, even in the 80s. Now it seems like baseball from another planet because nobody plays that way. But even in the 80s, the Cardinals were distinctive with all the speed and the outstanding defense and the way Whitey used his pitching staff. Uh, now, and I don't mean this as a put-down of any uh, present or modern manager, and Mike Schilt is an interesting personality, so it's not at all directed toward the Cardinal dugout, but many managers seem almost like technocrats now, as if they're taking their, their orders from the analytics guys upstairs, not as if because essentially they are. Whitey had a great baseball mind, and he was actually ahead of the curve. He had his own kind of version of analytics before that became in vogue. But most of all, he was just a dynamic personality in an era of Tommy Lasuda's and Earl Weaver's and and Billy Martin's, for better or worse, in Billy's case. So Whitey gave the team an identity. So did Ozzy. So did Vince Coleman and others. Keith Hernandez, before he left for the Mets, it wasn't incidental that the Cardinals had a rivalry with the Mets, uh, and an, an intense one for several seasons in the 80s. So it was vivid. It had texture to it. 
And at one point, Whitey, who was aware of a whole lot of things beyond what was happening on the field, said, one of our objectives is for the Cardinals to draw 3 million people. And given the size of the market, even though the Cardinals are a regional franchise, given the size of the market itself, for them to consistently draw 3 million was a huge breakthrough. So, yeah, it's the 1980s, just as you said. And even though not every season after that was a great one, most have been, at least a competitive one, that set it in place. What's comparable to that, and it just popped into my head, 1967, the Boston Red Sox had their impossible dream season. Uh, Post-Ted Williams, there was little to root for. Carl Yastrzemski was a great player, but they were always at the bottom of a 10-team league. And they came out of nowhere in one of the great pennant races of all time and then played the Cardinals, lost them in seven in the World Series. Anyone in Boston will tell you that that's where the whole idea of the Red Sox, the modern idea of the Red Sox, of not being able to get a seat at Fenway Park, that's where it was born. No matter what the Red Sox tradition or history may have been, you could have walked up to the ticket counter uh, a minute before the first pitch in 1964 and gotten just about the best seat in the house at Fenway Park. But something clicked in 1967, and it's never been the same since. And in the 80s, something clicked in St. Louis, and it's never been the same since. Bob, I'm glad you brought up Whitey. And I have a story from the pandemic. I was in my basement going through old stuff, and I found a VHS tape of one of the games, one of the first two of the 1982 World Series. You were doing pre and post for it. So uh-huh. I've still got a VHS player for some reason at home. Yeah, it's good. I used to have a flip phone, but eventually I moved into the 21st century, Randy. So anyway, I put this tape in, and I'm watching a little bit of it. Cecil Cooper's at the plate, and Whitey Herzog has a shift on. He's got Ozzie Smith to the right side of second base. It was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't realize that we, we were shifting back then. Yeah, and, you know, you used to go into the clubhouse uh, after a game and into Whitey's office, and he had his various colored pencils, and he had his charts, and he had his stats. So he didn't have all the wherewithal. He didn't have an analytics department, but he had an analytics department in his head. He was just so bold and dynamic, I really think. He is one of the most significant figures in Cardinal baseball history. There's no doubt about that. And you know how these things sometimes go. Uh, People need easy things to hang their hat on. So the Cardinals lost the 85 World Series and the 87 World Series in seven games. If they had won all three instead of just 82, and what was interesting is that 82 was the least dynamic uh, and probably the, the least uh, formidable of the three Cardinal pennant winning teams, but they did win the World Series over the Brewers. If they had won all three of those, Whitey Herzog would have gotten into the World Series a whole lot sooner than he did. And even prior, I, I didn't mean World Series, I meant Hall of Fame, would have gotten into the Hall of Fame a whole lot sooner than he did. Um, and even prior to that, in the 70s with the Royals, he had terrific teams, and he was playing a different style even then because Kansas City had one of the few. Uh, AstroTurf Parks in the American League, and he was trying to take advantage of his personnel and that approach. And were it not for terrific Yankee teams, uh, who he battled right to the wire like three times in the postseason, he would have been to the World Series with the Kansas City Royals as well. So I, I think you could really make a case that Whitey Herzog was the best manager of his era. Bob, I want to ask you about another prolific Cardinals manager in Tony La Russa. How do you think he's going to do in his return to managing at the age of 76? 
I think it's one of the most interesting stories in baseball this year, Michelle. Uh, I've spoken with Tony. He is raring to go. Uh, <laughs> his energy is there. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and the White Sox, you know, last year was a strange season. Some people may not have followed it exactly the same way as they they have past seasons. And it was a small sample, no question about it, only 60 games. But the White Sox were building towards something even in 2018 and 2019. And the American League Central is kind of a wide-open uh, division. A lot of people think they have the personnel peaking at the right time. They have the personnel to get it done. And even given his longstanding relationship with Tony Larusa, Jerry Reinsdorf would not have made this move if he didn't think that now was the time. This is obviously not a 10-year contract for Tony Larusa. He thinks he's got a team right now that has a chance to win. And he thinks that Larusa is the right guy for a couple of years. Otherwise, he would not have made this move. The great Bob Costas with us on 101 ESPN. Uh, many years ago, 20, 25 years ago, Bob Costas wrote a book called Fair Ball, and it was a fan's guide, made a lot of suggestions to baseball, and many of those were initiated by baseball. Mm-hmm. Bob, as, as you've thought, especially over the course of the last year with not much else to do, I know you think a lot about baseball. Do you have one or two suggestions that you would make now? If you were starting a book now, what would you lead with? Well, the, the first, the primary thing has to be the way analytics, which may be good for gaining a competitive edge, have been terrible for baseball as an entertainment product. And so they've got to take some significant steps. I favor a pitch clock with nobody on base. You want to talk about your VHS tapes? During the time that there was no game, there were no games in 2020 at the Major League Baseball Network, we went back into the archives and showed some classic games. They didn't have to be World Series games. Some of them were just memorable regular season games. And one of the things I was struck by was that if you count the first pitch, so the clock is at zero, there were often three pitches delivered within a 20-second span. Asking a pitcher to deliver one within an 18- or 20-second span shouldn't be such a big deal. And they should also, not just in the aftermath of the Astros' cheating scandal, which was a different motivation, but they should eliminate all in-game video, all consultation of in-game video, other than what you have to look at before initiating a review, and that is on a delay, and will be on a delay going forward. This obsession with video, how in the world did Ted Williams do it? How in the world (laughs) did Stan Musial do it? Uh, Tony Gwynn, by the way, was early on to video, but he reviewed it after the game or before the game. During the game, you can't have guys running down to consult the video. And part of the, the, the result of that is you have a guy step into the box. He takes ball one. He hasn't fouled the ball off. He hasn't dislodged his elbow pad or his batting glove. But he steps out and he thinks about it. What is this, Boris Spassky versus Bobby Fischer for the World Chess Championship? What is he thinking about? Here's what he's thinking about. What has his video review told him that's different on 1-0 as opposed to 0-1 against this pitcher based on the video from July 18th, and now it's August 22nd? This can't be good for baseball as an entertainment product. I also favor outlawing shifts. you got to have two fielders on either side of second base. And if you want to outlaw anybody having a foot on the grass, on the outfield grass, whatever you got to do within reason, 
to get the game moving. In 2005, there were more than 1,300 more base hits than strikeouts. Over the last couple of years, not counting 2020 as, um, as, a, as a full sample, but going back to 2018, more strikeouts than hits, more strikeouts than base hits. The single is an endangered species, and therefore there are fewer baseball plays. You know, fewer, there, there are more great athletes in baseball now than ever before. We want to see them do baseball things. We want to see this great crop of shortstops make great shortstop plays. We want to see balls in the gap and relay plays. We want to see guys taking a chance, going from first to third, or trying to score from first on a double. Home runs are great, but they should be a punctuation. They shouldn't be the be-all and end-all. And strikeouts are great, too. But if they become so ho-hum that guys you basically never heard of have a higher ratio of strikeouts to innings pitched than Sandy Koufax did or Bob Gibson did, something's out of whack. And the game's got to get back to something closer to its natural balance. Bob, what is one player, team, or storyline that you're really intrigued by heading into the 2021 season? Wow. Um, I should have thought of this in anticipation of this conversation. And maybe if I could meander along in a few uh, preamble sentences, something will occur to me. Uh, What is it? What is it, Michelle? I didn't mean to ask you such a tough question, Bob. Yeah, Michelle, it was was a grill. It was a Mike Wallace type thing. I thought it was (laughs) about 60 minutes for a second here. I'm I'm really on the griddle. Michelle Smallman's Uh, at the door. I came with the fastball. I'm sorry, Bob. Well, I'll tell you what. Yeah, you did. You brushed me back with it. One thing I'm really intrigued by is Shohei Otani. Will he be able to do it? And how is Joe Madden going to deploy him? I think that that is a fascinating storyline. You see, you're so far ahead of me. That's correct. (laughs) I wish I had thought of that. Um, as Randy knows, uh, and everyone who knows me knows, I don't really get going till noon. And where I am, it isn't even 10 a.m. yet. So that's that's my excuse. I haven't even had my first cup of coffee. But Otani is a terrific story. He has been injury prone. And so it isn't just a matter of, of managing his starts and can we DH him on this particular day and how do we use him. Uh, it's it's also not overusing him because the injury factor is significant in his case. But he, he is a fascinating story, and so too is Madden. And Madden is another example uh, of what we were talking about with Larusa. The Angels obviously think that the window is now; that they better get something done right now. Uh, otherwise, you don't bring in Joe Madden because he's in his his mid to late sixties and uh, younger than Larusa for sure, but still not going to be around forever. So you bring in somebody like that. When you think you have a chance to contend, then maybe he's just the missing ingredient. Finally, Bob, here we are on opening day, and hope is supposed to spring eternal for all 30 teams. And for a lot of teams, it does. But we head into the season with the Dodgers in the National League, Yankees in the American League as prohibitive favorites. Yankees haven't won since 09. Dodgers won for the first time in more than 30 years last Mm -hmm. year. So is it a good thing for baseball to go into the season with those two massive markets and loaded teams as prohibitive favorites? I don't think it's a bad thing because, first of all, in the National League West, the Padres have loaded up. They're not just a good team, but they're a very exciting team to watch. There are a lot of people who think that the Padres might be the second-best team in the National League. And so if they can make the playoffs, uh, it's possible that they would face the Dodgers. There's various ways to get there uh, in modern baseball. And the other thing is the nature. And about the Yankees, the American League East also has some teams that are interesting. And so nothing is guaranteed, but also the nature of baseball, as you know, is different 
once a team is good enough, and this may not be true before they, uh, until when they expand the playoffs perhaps to too great a, a degree, but for the moment, if a team is good enough to get into the playoffs, they are probably good enough to beat any team in a short series, to beat any team in a best of five, to beat any team in a best of seven. So you got to run at least a three level, assuming you're not a wild card. You got to run a division series, an LCS, and a World Series gauntlet against teams good enough to make it to the postseason. That's why the odds are really against any team. If you want to take the Yankees making it to the World Series in the American League and the Dodgers making it to the World Series out of the National League and give me the field, I'll take that bet. That bet. I don't think that's such a bad bet. Not because the Dodgers and Yankees aren't clear favorites. They are. But because the nature of the long season and the nature of baseball just make it more difficult to say than in some other sports, this is clearly the team that's going to get there. That's the Hall of Famer, Bob Costas. I always enjoy hearing you talk about baseball. We love it, and we wish you the best of seasons in 2021. Hopefully we can talk again soon. Thanks, Randy. Thanks, Rochelle. Happy opening day. Happy opening day to Bob, and there is nobody who speaks with more thought or nuance about the game of baseball than Bob. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.